Welcome to the Living a Naturally Healthy Life podcast with Delane ND, the podcast for people looking to correct chronic illnesses such as diabetes through lifestyle change. I'm Dr. Delane Vaughn. As a physician, I see many patients who are ill because of lifestyle decisions such as food choices. Typically, diseases such as diabetes are managed with pills or injections. This approach creates a vicious, expensive, and unhealthy cycle of medication and then more medication to address the negative side effects. As a physician, and a life coach, I work with clients to resolve their diseases, get off their medications, and live a naturally healthy life. If you don't like the healthcare system in America, I recommend you use less of it by being naturally healthy. So if you feel there has to be a better, more natural way to live a healthy life, you are in the right place. Hello, you are listening to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast episode number 101. I'm your host, Dr. Delane Vaughn. If you're looking for strategies to live a naturally healthy life, you are in the right place. Today, we are going to have a question and answer podcast. I do this once every few months. So recognize I create this podcast to serve three different purposes. One, to help people realize that you can live without type 2 diabetes. If you have received a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes, the healthcare industry isn't telling you that you don't need to be diabetic. They're just telling you to stop eating carbs and take these medications. My mission is to get the word out. You do not have to be sick with type 2 diabetes. That's part of the mission of me doing this podcast for you. My second reason is to give my clients information that they can refer to all of the time. They can come back to in between our coaching sessions so that they have information out there for them all the time. And then lastly, it's because I know not every woman who wants to live a naturally healthy life currently has the resources to invest in themselves right now. My program is for women who want to invest in their health. They want to take the leap to start living their lives on their terms, putting their past health concerns behind them and starting to live a naturally healthy life. That's what my program is for. My program is for those women. But I understand there are women out there who cannot afford to make that investment right now. So this podcast is for those ladies out there as well, those ones who want to live a naturally healthy life. I provide skills, strategies, and techniques to help them along their journey to living a naturally healthy life. So here's the deal. I'm doing a question and answer series because people have sent me questions. Send me a question. If you have questions about something about an issue that you're having coming up, something you don't understand, something that doesn't make sense to you in my podcast or things you've heard, send me those questions. Here's the email address. Prep yourself. Grab a pen. D-E-L-A-N-E at DelaneMD.com. That's the email address. If you're not sure, go to my website, DelaneMD.com. There's a place where you can contact me there. Send me any of your questions. I do these episodes once every few months. I will send you an email answer so you'll get an answer right away, but it also lets me know what people need to know about, what questions they have. So if you have any questions, send them to me. Before we get started, I want to share, I always am interested in finding new ways to uplevel my health. Sometimes that's new gadgets. Sometimes that's new exercise routines. The most recent thing I've been trying out is a mousse recipe. So I've cut out dairy from my diet for personal reasons. I don't think that everybody needs to do this. And I'm actually going to get into that here in the question and answer part. But I have been tinkering around with recipes using coconut and actually in general using coconut. I did an elimination diet in the fall and I got very sick of coconut very quickly, but 
I've been um, revisiting coconut, all things coconut, coconut cream, coconut milk, those kinds of things. And I actually came across a chocolate mousse recipe that was amazing. It's very, very tasty. I've been having to do some tweaks with it, but I think I've finally got it to where um, I know how to make it. And it's super tasty and delicious and such a nice treat in the summer with fruit. So how do you get that recipe? Here's the deal. I have a newsletter that goes out every month. If you go to my website, again, delanemd.com, there's a lot of help on that website for anybody. There's information there. All my podcasts are listed there. In addition to that, there is a freebie, a video that tells you the strategies and describes them and defines them, all the strategies that I teach for living a naturally healthy life and reversing type 2 diabetes. Once you sign up for that video, you go onto my email list and you will get my monthly newsletters where you can get this chocolate mousse recipe. So basically it's coconut cream, it is vanilla, it is a quarter cup of cocoa, it is a quarter cup of molasses, and a pinch of sea salt. And you just blend it up until it gets frothy and and thick and then that's it you eat it it's amazing I've also I've done I've kept it in the fridge I've done all sorts of things with it but I found this to be really really uh, delicious and tasty the recipe that I found called for a for called for two cups of coconut cream I actually use a little bit more than that so if you have any questions send me messages but if you really want the actual recipe Go to my website, sign up for the newsletter, and we'll make sure that gets out to you. Okay, so uh, I have been very prolific in my podcasting ideas and what's coming up. We have a lot of amazing podcasts for us in the future. So I've promised one on shame, and that is coming up. I also have a podcast coming up on developing eating protocols and how I help my clients, like the strategies and the steps that I use to help my clients develop their eating protocols. It's not what you think. Lots of people come to me. They want me to give them a food plan. I don't really do food plans. I help you develop an eating protocol. There's also going to be a podcast coming up on cultivating feelings and how we do that and how that's important. And I think it's going to be amazing. And then lastly, I have a podcast coming up. I'm going to do book review. Basically, all the books that I've read recently that I have, I believe have the most amazing content to them. And I'm going to go through a number of different books that I've read and why I think that they're really handy. So stay tuned for those podcasts. They will be coming up in the next couple months. So let's dig into the question and answers. So I got a question, a very direct question about wheat thins. What are wrong with wheat thins? So I'm going to dive in not just to wheat thins, but also to many other foods that I get a lot of questions about. So wheat thins, dairy, potatoes, fruits, what can we eat those? Are those a problem? Do you allow people to eat them? Again, recognize I don't tell anybody what they can or cannot eat. That is not my job. Typically what happens when I'm developing a eating protocol with my clients is that we look at what they want to be eating, what they think is healthy, what they want to be eating, and then I tell them the science behind what they're eating, and then they get to make a decision whether they want to eat that or not. It's really that simple. I have a basic philosophy about what eating naturally healthy actually looks like, and you've heard me say it, but I'm going to say it again. There aren't squirrels out there complaining about the foods that the earth makes for them. They do not complain about acorns and ask to go for pizza at night. Deer does not get bored with grass and ask to go for Chinese food. 
Humans are the only animal on the planet that says, yes, earth, I see your tomatoes, your cucumbers, and your lettuce, but I'm going to eat Doritos and Red Bulls. And of course, we don't figure out why we're sick. We are sick because Doritos and Red Bulls are not food that the human being is meant to eat. No more than pizza is food that a squirrel is meant to eat. So when thinking about what food is okay, that philosophy really needs to be taken into consideration because the foods that are okay are the foods that the human being is meant to eat in a natural state. So what's the issue with wheat thins? This is an issue of processing foods, okay? So food processing gets us into trouble. It's difficult to distinguish what's processed and what's healthy just by looking at the box because they advertise all of the health benefits, right? So if you look at a box of wheat thins, it says, we're 100% whole grain, and we immediately equate that into being healthy. They even have low fat. They even have low sodium varieties. So I don't know how foods can get away with advertising that they're whole grains, and clearly wheat thins are not whole grains. In fact, if you look at the label, the primary food in wheat thins is wheat, is wheat flour, whole grain wheat flour is what they call it, I think. They call it whole wheat flour, I think. So recognize flour pulverizes the whole grain. When you the processing that goes into making flour causes a pulverization. We grind the whole grain, okay? So a grain, if you actually think about what a grain is, a grain is the seed of a plant. And by definition, this is going to be the small, hard, dry seed. That's what grain is. But the seed or the kernel of the plant, when it's intact, should include the bran layer, the endosperm layer, and then the germ of the seed. So what happens when we make flour is we pulverize it, we separate out those layers, and we actually use just the germ of the seed, and we pulverize that down into a powder, which we call flour, and then we use that to make foods like crackers. So that's wheat thins, saltines, and animal crackers. This is also cereals. This is all the, also the flour we use to make cookies and cakes. All of them have been ground down and pulverized in the same way, separating out the parts of the seed so that we just have that germ component. So what does it mean when things are, when you have regular bread versus whole wheat bread? So whole wheat is just the germ or the, I'm sorry, the bran layer, the endosperm layer, and the germ of the seed, they're all pulverized. You don't just take the germ out. Just plain white flour is taking just the germ out and pulverizing it. So recognizing that this pulverization process, this processing of anything, and it's not just the wheat. We do this also with oats. We do this with almonds and other nuts that we make flour out of. This processing of making flour this way, it concentrates the carbohydrate component of the natural food. This concentrated carbohydrate is then eaten, typically after we mix it with a bunch of stuff like milk and eggs and a lot of times sugars, recognizing sugars... Sugar is the third ingredient in wheat thins, so it's flour and oil and then sugar. That's the third ingredient of wheat thins. So, and that's just plain wheat thins. If you're eating the honey wheat thins, they've actually put more sugar and probably high fructose corn syrup and that and possibly some honey in it. But recognize when we process wheat in this way, we are concentrating the carbohydrate component of that plant. Our bodies then eat this and breaks the carbohydrate down into its foundational elements, which is glucose, and that glucose is what causes our blood sugars to rise. And this is the effect of the flour alone. This is not the sugar in the recipe of the cracker, right? Any added sugars actually exaggerate this 
this effect in our body. So, of course, this happens with all of our processed foods. It's not just the flour-based things. Applesauce is concentrated apple. Juices is the concentrated sugar of the fruit. Jellies are concentrated fruits in addition to sugar. Jam's the same way. Peanut butter is the same way. We concentrate the carbohydrate component of the peanuts, and you and I both know that's not good enough because they also add sugar to it. Fruit chews, cereals, oatmeals, any of our flour-based foods, all of these concentrate the carbohydrate component, and our bodies turn that carbohydrate, that concentrated carbohydrate, into super amounts of sugars, which gives us a concentrated and an exaggerated release of insulin. So this is why processing foods are a problem, okay? So if you want to hear more about how this propagates insulin resistance, which is what type 2 diabetes is, and obesity, check out episodes number one, number two, number three, and then episode number 94 also goes into this. And then, of course, if you ever have any questions more about why these flour-based foods are a problem, holler at me. I'm happy to answer any questions. Again, the email address, delane at delanemd.com. So the next question that I get a lot is dairy. Why are dairy, why is dairy a problem? Is dairy okay? So what I want to offer to you is, again, I don't say whether anything is okay. I don't say whether you can or cannot eat anything. I give you the science behind it. So two things in the science behind dairy. One, we are the only animal on all of the planet, again, that is eating milk and milk products into our adult life. Squirrels are not going to the rabbits and saying, hey, lactating rabbit, can I buy a gallon of your milk and feed it to my squirrel family? That doesn't happen. We are the mammals that do that. And this is why things like lactose intolerance is an issue. People act like that's a specific condition that individual people get. But what I want to offer to you is that is a effect of being a mammal. Mammals do not drink milk into their adult years, and that's why we have lactose intolerance. The other effect of dairy that people need to understand is there are breakdown products of dairy called casomorphins that bind receptors in our brain that make us love it, that make us want it all the time. So recognizing there's a neurochemical effect that happens when we eat dairy. So if you get tearful or have an emotional response at the idea of never eating dairy again, You're probably under the effect. You're probably getting a very strong effect from those casomorphins and need to dig into that a little bit. Dairy is not inherently bad. It does have lactose, which is a sugar, which can drive up your blood sugars, but it also typically has a lot of fat and some protein in it. So it's not necessarily the devil, but if you're eating it and you're having stomach upset, maybe you need to go without it. If you're eating it and you're having a lot of congestion, there is a strong link between dairy intake and allergies and upper respiratory and sinus things. So maybe taking a break from it for five to 10 days and seeing if those symptoms clear up. And then lastly, again, if you are feeling like life won't be worth living, if you don't have cheese, you probably need to really consider whether this is ca- there is this casomorphin effect going on for you. And if so, do you want to continue to live kind of with this neurochemistry effect going on for you? Is that something you want? It's a question everybody gets to answer for themselves. All right. Potatoes are another thing people ask me. Are potatoes okay? They certainly are natural, right? You find them in the earth. The earth makes potatoes for us. And there is, in fact, evidence that certain potato starches, well, so it's 
it's potatoes that are enriched with quote-unquote resistant starch. The science behind that is a little more complicated, but recognizing there is a certain amount, a specific amount, it's not unlimited potatoes, it's certainly not a bag of potato chips, that there's a certain amount of potato starch that actually has protective benefits to blood sugars. So it, it benefits our insulin resistance, meaning that it helps us reverse and stabilize our blood sugars. So clearly there is plenty of evidence out there that potatoes are not awful. But what I want to offer you is that the way the earth makes potatoes is not the way that our grocery store provides potatoes to us, right? Potatoes are not unlimited. We can't eat them all day long every day. So there needs to be some limitations. Again, starches will drive our blood sugars up. So recognizing there needs to be some control. It can't be just a free-for-all on potatoes. The next question that I get a lot about foods is fruit. Fruit is the same thing, right? Fruit is also a natural food. But the earth does not create fruit for us in the same way that our grocery store creates fruit for us. It is a seasonal food, okay? So recognizing that we can't be eating fruit all day long. We can't replace, for me, my M&M problem with grapes. And I tried that. It didn't work because I would just eat it all day long. Fruit has a higher concentration of sugar. It also has a higher concentration of fructose. And that fructose can be stressful to our liver. So making sure that we're not just having a free for all on fruit either. Okay. So if any of that didn't make sense, again, send me a message, delane at delanemd.com. I'm happy to clarify not only in an email, but I'll also put it on the next um, question and answer uh, podcast. So a couple of other questions that I get a lot, how long does it take for me to reverse my diabetes? So I hear two things in this. Some of it's really innocent, like, oh my gosh, is this going to take forever? But a lot of times that is the question that comes from a belief of how long am I going to have to eat like this? Am I going to have to eat this way forever? So I'm going to answer both of those questions. One, it takes typically three to six weeks for most people to reverse their type 2 diabetes. Yes, even you out there who've been diabetic for decades, again, three to six weeks, most people within that time or even less than that time will come off their meds and will have normal blood sugars. I teach three strategies for this. I teach cleaning up your diet. I teach intermittent fasting for this, and I teach nutritional ketosis. Some of my clients use all three of these strategies, and some of my clients only use one or two of these strategies. There are podcasts that address this. You can check out, again, podcast number one, two, and three really dives into this, and there's a number of other podcasts where I revisit these strategies and how to do this. So that's the simple question or the simple answer to the question of how long does it take? The deeper question that I always um, like to look at is how long do I have to eat this way? Because a lot of times that's really what people are talking about or really wanting an answer to. So diabetes is a physiologic response. I do not, uh, lots of doctors will tell you there's genetic predispositions and all of this jazz. And I do believe there probably are genetic predispositions to what threshold of insulin resistance leads to higher blood sugars. And that's a lot of science. But what I want most people to understand and 99% of people, what they need to understand is diabetes is a normal response that occurs when we are eating too many carbohydrates and concentrated carbohydrates. This is a normal biologic response to human beings that eat foods that are not meant for human beings to eat on a regular basis, okay? So what that means is if you make dietary changes, right, you clean up your diet, you start intermittent fasting, and you do nutritional ketosis, and your diabetes improves, 
If you go back to eating all the food that you were eating before in the same way you were eating it before, you will likely redevelop your diabetes. Nothing's gone wrong here because this is a normal physiologic, biologic response to eating foods that your body is not meant to consume all the time. Now, just like a squirrel, I always say a squirrel can steal a peanut butter and jelly from a picnic basket and eat it. And it will not develop any illness. It will not get sick and die from that one peanut butter and jelly. It's not a never, ever experience. But if the squirrel eats a peanut butter and jelly every day, it will also get sick with things like type 2 diabetes. We don't call it type 2 diabetes probably in squirrels because nobody's testing squirrels' blood sugars. But if they were and the squirrel was eating foods that were not meant for a squirrel on a regular basis, yes, the squirrel would also get sick with diseases because squirrels aren't meant to eat peanut butter and jellies every day. That's really what it comes down to. You're not meant to eat crackers and cereals and cakes and candies and pizzas, all of those things every day. It's not a never ever game, okay? It's a what do you eat most of the time experience, okay? So lastly, lots of people ask me, and I hate to even answer this question, but because I get it so much, I feel like I need to address it in some way. Um, What do I eat? What is my typical diet like? So again, lots of people ask this because they are so desperate to fix their diabetes, they will do whatever it takes. Like, what do you eat? Just tell me how to do it. I want to, you know, want my health reversed. I want to fix my diabetes too. So just tell me what you eat. I'm going to tell you what I eat, but what I want you to understand is if you do not like what you are eating, it is very, very hard. And there's going to be a podcast coming up about this when I talk about cultivating feelings that drive results that we want. If you are not willing to eat the things that you are eating to reverse your type 2 diabetes for the rest of your life, you are not going to have long-lasting life changes. You are not going to be able to change that behavior for the rest of your life unless you at least are willing to do it forever, right? So things that I ate to reverse my type two, my type 2 diabetes are different from what I eat now. I ate a lot of cottage cheese. People hear me talk about cottage cheese and like I thought I was like cottage cheese is brilliant. I felt full when I ate cottage cheese. I felt satisfied when I ate cottage cheese and nobody loses their marbles for the most part. There are some weirdos out there, but people don't lose their marbles and like overeat cottage cheese. Nobody eats a gallon of cottage cheese in one sitting, right? So I loved cottage cheese. I I used it. It was a tool that I used. If you hate cottage cheese, clearly it doesn't matter what I was eating. That is not helpful for you. Figuring out the things that you do love and then how you want to up-level that to make it healthy to where it doesn't make you sick. Most of us are fearful. If I look at what I do love, I'm going to realize all that I love are M&Ms. And that's not true. That's not what you will actually find out if you give yourself permission to actually look at what you like to eat and what's healthy for you to eat and what you enjoy about the things that you eat that are healthy, okay? So what do I eat? Um, Today I will have a salmon, a salad with salmon on it, and I will have a little bit of fruit. I will also have some sauerkraut, and I will also have some flax seeds and some chia seeds. Again, I typically eat one meal a day. Sometimes I eat two meals a day. Um... It's almost always the same thing. If I'm going to eat two meals a day, it will look like I eat meal meat at one meal and then I eat salad at another meal. Because in order for me to eat, I, I eat when I'm hungry. I don't eat by the clock. I wait till my body is hungry and then I eat. 
And for me to have two meals a day, that means my earlier meal has to be pretty small or I'll never be hungry at that second meal. So that's how I do it. I usually have veggies and meat most days. And I also have fruit most days. Not a lot of it, just a little bit. Probably less than like a half a cup of grapes and maybe um, some berries, a half cup of berries or melon with a half cup berries or something along those lines. That's usually what I eat. Yesterday I had pork chop. I made pork chops over the weekend and there were leftover pork chops. They had um, sauteed in butter mushrooms on them. They were delicious. I ate that with some sauerkraut and salad. And typically when I make a salad at home, today I'm going out to a restaurant for the salad that I get. Um, it's one of my favorites, but today, um, or when I eat a salad that I make at home, usually I have a half a cup of nuts on it and sometimes I'll crush them, but sometimes they're whole nuts, but there's going to be green peppers and red peppers and yellow and orange peppers on it. There might be cucumbers. There might be a tomato, maybe some carrots, whatever that might look like. So, um, most days I try to give myself some prebiotic and probiotics. So prebiotics are going to be fiber. Probiotics are going to be fermented foods like sauerkraut. I love sauerkraut. I know it's not for everybody, but finding fermented food really helps to support your gut. So I try to make sure that's also in my diet. I typically try to eat flax seeds and chia seeds every single day because they're a great source of omega-3 and that's really important to me. I'm trying to think. Over the weekend, usually my food throughout the week are the same. There's going to be protein. There's going to be salads. There's going to be sauerkraut. There's going to be chia and flax for the benefits, the health benefits associated with those foods. But over the weekend, I tend to have some variety in my foods. So um, this weekend we had roasted uh, Brussels sprouts, which I really like. We also roasted some sweet potatoes and that was super tasty. I had that mousse that I told you about early on in the introduction. Uh, we made that mousse and I had that and it was pretty tasty. There were some fruits associated with it. I stay away from flowers and wheat-based things because it makes me feel bad. I stay away from sugar for the same reason. It makes me feel bad. But I will tell you, I reversed my diabetes and got my A1C down to 4.9 and I still had a joy eat every week. These changes, the way that I eat now has been a progression. It was not, I went from eating M&M's all day long to eating chia seeds and flax seeds. That is not how it went. This has been a progression and my changes in my diet have been because I want to maximize and optimize my health. It's not because I want to get out of the disease. I got out of the disease and never did all of this other stuff. The kraut, the flax seeds, the chia seeds were not in my life at that point. And there was a lot more flour and sugar. And I reversed my diabetes, my prediabetes. So recognize that as possible for you. Don't think you have to eat what I'm eating now four years into my health changes. You don't need to eat those. You don't necessarily ever need to eat those. The way I eat right now is because I feel good when I eat that way. So that's why I'm always hesitant to tell people what I eat because one, they're going to be like, oh my God, you eat, literally eat birdseed because that's what flax and chia seed looks like. And I realize that's not for everybody. You do not need to eat that way to get yourself to the naturally healthy state that you want to be in. There's a hundred different ways to do that. And that's what I help folks figure out in my program. If you're interested in my program, send me a message, Delane at DelaneMD.com. We can get you set up for a free consult, see where your struggles are, see how my program will help those struggles and get you to that naturally healthy living. If you have any other questions, you know I want to hear them. Send them to me, Delane at DelaneMD.com. I will be back next week with another podcast episode. Have a great one. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Also, leave me a review. If you want to resolve your diabetes naturally without any pills or injections, I can help you. Visit DelaneMD.com for more information. Click on the Work With Me tab, send me a message, and we can set up a mini coaching session. You guys have a great week. I'll talk to you soon.